You're listening to the Coast Watch Podcast, proudly brought to you by Rockstar Tackle, quality fishing tackle at affordable prices, and tonic polarised eyewear. See what you're missing. Here's your host, Dave Granville, and remember, don't destroy what you came to enjoy. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to Coast Watch. It's been a while since I've done a podcast because we've actually been building a new studio, so and uh, this is it. So the first podcast in uh, in our new Coast Watch studio, and um, my first guest is uh, is Steve Evans from Propeller Warehouse. Good to good to have you here, Steve. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah, mate. Um, look. A lot of people, when you, when you talk propellers in Australia, um, most people think of Steve Evans. I mean, <laughs> you've been doing it a long, long time now, haven't you, mate? I mean, um, well, I think I think it's really more for outboards and stern drives. Let's face it; it's for you know recreational fishermen and and um, and racers and and all types of uh, trailer boats, mostly. Yeah. Not bigger propellers. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean. I've probably known you, I don't know, 25 years, I yeah. suppose, in, in the marine industry and not not too many people that are involved in the marine industry wouldn't know you from boat shows all around the country. Yeah, I've done um, a lot of boat shows. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so for many, many years, you were uh, with Solus. I think mm-hmm. most people would put the name Steve Evans with Solus. Um, how long since that well, pretty much I started Solus um, back in uh, something like 85 and did the hard yards with uh, basically testing so many propellers on boats. I think that's where a lot of my customers, a lot of old customers who keep buying and ordering sort of, we've been out on boats together. So yeah. getting an idea of the boats for the motor was was the, the thing that had to be done yeah. in Australia to, to get a good handle on what what works what bl- what yeah. works and what yeah. doesn't work that's yeah great. well i mean that i think that could even be when we first met if it wasn't at a boat show it was obviously when i was at blue water magazine and probably we in were, a bar we, <laughs> we were testing props for um you know we had some hondas on some of our early project boats and um i remember you know meeting you at the boat ramp and and swapping and changing propellers i must admit we, we had a, a really good association with honda yeah. at that time and um and Honda launched um, so many new models, and of course so that was a that was a great time in the in the eighties nineties, where boating was really coming of age. You know the numbers were growing everywhere, and there were more and more models of engines coming out. And with more models of engines, it demanded more variety in propellers, and that was the key. Yeah, and of course boats as well, because not only yeah lots of different mm. outboard models to choose from but lots of different boats yep. and not not every propeller obviously suits every boat scenario so um i'm gonna basically or go back to basics a little bit because mm. I, I think there's a lot of people um you know that don't really understand propellers and the basics of propellers i think it scares a lot of people and um so if you don't mind i'm, I'm going to ask you a couple of very basic questions sure um, and hopefully you know I might even educate myself as as well as the people at home so I guess um, you know you look at a propeller and um, they've either got three blades or four blades generally we're looking at outboard propellers obviously um, and the, and the first question I've got for you is um, every propeller has some numbers stamped on the side of it and normally um, it's two sets of numbers 
Can you tell us exactly what those numbers mean and you know why are those numbers so important? Sure. Well, of course, there has to be in any industry sort of some guidelines to for everyone to be able to work around propellers, whether it's boat mechanics or whatever. So the first thing that comes to mind is always the diameter. And obviously, the diameter of a propeller has to marry un- under the cab plate of the particular engine group. And there are really six distinct, distinct engine groups from pretty much six horsepower all the way through to 400 horsepower. So the diameter is the first number. Okay. It's always the first number. And the diameter is literally the outside. You to multiply the edge of the by from the center of that prop shaft yep. out to the end of the tip of the ear. And that's we call the it diameter. An ear, and that is the diameter. Multiply okay. by two, and that's the diameter. And the next number? And the next number is always the pitch. And the pitch, obviously, the diameter and the pitch is a marriage. Generally speaking, the diameter increases when the pitch decreases. Mm -hmm. It doesn't on smaller props like these for 9.9 or 20 horsepower. But when you're into these types of sizes in the 70 to 130 horsepower grouping, that's where you start to see that relationship. Okay, so this number here, um, yeah, it's obviously, um, am I looking at 12-inch diameter, 11-inch pitch? Um, no, oh. you, you should be looking at, uh, I think you need glasses. Oh, I probably do. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, this is quite a special prop. This is a high-strength prop that we've newly developed Okay. Um, for fuel-injected little motors. Okay. So... Uh, the diameter is 9.9. Okay. And the pitch is 11. Okay, gotcha. So the pitch is... Yeah, explain to us what exactly pitch means. The pitch is the distance that the boat will travel in, in one, one revolution, revolution. of the propeller. Less the drag coefficient of the of the actual hull okay. or, the, or the boat. Okay. So generally speaking, anything with um, good power-to-weight ratio, anything that's got plenty of power or light boat you might have a drag rate, uh, drag coefficient of, say, um, 10%, yep. 12%. Anything that's a lot heavier than that is 20%. So, so the drag coefficient that. doesn't come into play on the actual stamping. You've got it, to have a it, guide. Of course. So you, if, mm. if you're saying it's a 12-inch pitch, yeah. it will move 12 inches yeah. forward. 18-inch yeah. pitch, 18 inches forward. Yeah, that's and right. what, what is the biggest and what are the pitch, what's the pitch range? What's the biggest? What's the smallest? Well, it, it varies. Yeah. Uh, for smaller engines, the um, like 20 horsepower, for example, you can get as low as a 7 that you would put on, say, a, um, a yacht as a, as a high thrust prop for, you know, like a little, little uh, um, McGregor or something like that. Or if it's a dinghy, really a lightweight little super skewer, for example, the highest pitch would be around 13. Okay. So okay. there's always a variance of about four to five inches in, inches those, in, group, in, those, in those groups. Various groups, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, and then explain to us why you've got three blades, why you've got four blades. Is there, any, is there more than four blades? Well, there is. There's, yeah. there's five blades, but yeah. you only ever see them on big horsepower. Yeah. I think the next thing that everyone forgets about, yep. you have the diameter, you have the pitch, you know that this part of the blade gets the boat up on the plane. Okay. And the pressure, the thrust, 
moves forward to the tips. Okay. So when the boat's up and running and it's doing, say, 25 knots, that's actually doing all the work. Okay. And that's why you see the paint comes off it. Okay. And when you steer and you're doing 25 knots and you abruptly turn, bank into a hard right-hand turn, it's this part of the blade that's doing the work. And if the prop slips, it's because of this edge here. And, of course, that's what we call cavitation. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so what's... If if you've got a situation like that where you are cavitating, what's... It's an easy fix. Okay. Any prop shop should be able to put a little extra lipping on the edge of the blade tip here. And that's and, called cupping, right? And that's called cupping. Okay, so... And that's what's really necessary on surf props, which is why this, all the uh, guys on Rancias with 25 horsepower tattoos, they need extra cupping on the blade tips because they're in aerated water in waves. Yeah, so the surf yeah. life-saving guys that are running the, re- uh, the inflatables? Inflatables, yeah. yeah. Okay. You've got to have that cupping. Okay, right. And so is that something that you do in-house or is it something that yeah. the manufacturer does? Or? I've taught a lot of people how to do some cupping, uh-huh. um, quite a few marine dealers, um, are starting to pick it up and it's re-emerging. Um, generally speaking, when props really first came out in the 60s and 70s, they didn't have a lot of cupping. Okay. Um, and today, most manufacturers employ, you know, a certain amount of cupping. Okay. And you can always increase that if you need to. And is that in the mould or are they actually... It is in the mould. Okay, right. Mm. And I suppose the next question that everyone's got is... Aluminium or stainless steel, because generally that's your choice, isn't it? I mean, you buy a outboard from the dealership and it invariably comes with an aluminium propeller. Um, why is there such a big need for aftermarket propellers? Well, that's a good point. Um, the outboard manufacturers tend to only make a basic range. So when you find... Um, a particular engine is on a quite a special boat, whether it's very light, dedicated for sports fishing, dedicated for racing, dedicated for whatever. There needs to be other ranges to be able to um, to 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 give the best performance possible for that particular boat. Okay. So so pretty the the manufacturers only do the basics. Okay. And. In the early days, when I first started, it was actually re- relatively easy because there wasn't much variety around. Um, so there wasn't many horsepower groups. There was um, only a certain number of pitch sizings that you could use. The engines were, um, well, carbureted. There was no supercharging. There was no fuel injection. Okay. So Everything today is a lot more complex. As technology has changed, you've had to, yeah. you know, the propeller yeah. manufacturers yeah. have had to keep up with the technology in the outboard. And you've well. just hit on it just then because you said basically there's only stainless and aluminium. However, the technology in manufacturing propellers is the big thing. Okay. And that's what I'm all about right now. Okay. It's okay. all about high strength aluminium yeah. as another option yeah. in, in um, cost effectiveness to get the performance for even big boats, 300 horsepower. So you've actually managed to introduce a propeller that's um, somewhere in between standard aluminium and stainless steel. I wish it was me. It was oh, okay. The factory technology okay. Okay. today is awesome. Okay. It's, it's the cost effectiveness 
um, the prices aren't still going up. They're actually coming down okay. because robotics are now employed in, in, in production and there's new technology in casting. It's really aerospace type, um, aerospace uh, castings that have come into the marine industry. Okay, okay. Mm. That's awesome. So mm. I guess then getting back to, you know, someone at, someone at home that's, that's mm. looking to get better performance out of their out of their boat um, and, you know, everyone's, they might just think, oh, stainless steel's got to be better because it's more expensive. Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. What we need, what every propeller shop needs, what every dealer really needs is a lot of information on especially the revs that the, that the engine is doing with the particular pitch for the particular boat. So it's a marriage. It's a marriage of the engine, the engine height, the type of boat it is, plus then um, speed and revs to be able to understand or know if you can better the performance, yeah. as in better the boat speed for cruising. Because yeah. let's face it, we don't all run around uh, flat, flat out. Flat out, yeah, most of the <laughs> it's time. It's all about can, cruising. Especially offshore, you know, you're, yeah. you're flaming. Yeah. If you don't break your back, you you know. Um, so... Yeah, so I guess that's when when someone um, you know contacts you via your website um, or rings you up. The first thing you ask them is, you know, is your boat, um, you know, what's the boat, what's the motor, what revs you're getting, um, weight, I suppose, comes in. It's, it's nice to know. It's nice to know really what the customer is looking for. Is he? Okay. Is it a damaged propeller that he's replacing? Is he trying to improve? Uh, fuel economy on bigger engines mostly. On smaller engines, they're all you know. There's not a lot of lot, lot that can be really improved dramatically. Except yeah. it depends on the purpose of that particular boat. Because you know yourself, there's a lot of fishing platforms out there that are fa- fabulous platforms for stability, purpose built for a job, but they don't you know they don't go real quick yeah, yeah. or they have some other limitations yeah. it's always like this isn't it <laughs> one, one thing that i find a lot is that guys talk about hole shot mm. and sometimes they describe the boat as quite sluggish out of the hole mm. they're fine once they get up on the plane and running but yeah it's just that that getting up and if you're crossing coastal bars yeah. or things like that and of course you know coast watch we're always talking about coastal bars mm. and and, mm. and those so if someone was looking for a better hole shot, like I know it depends on the boat and the outboard, but generally what would you suggest to them if they had a sluggish hole shot? Um, first of all, I would really determine if that boat is an underpowered boat, adequately powered or overpowered. Okay. That's okay. the very first thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the second thing to establish is what pitch they're running to what maximum reps. Okay. Four bar crossings, um, which can be really quite precarious, scary. Cupping is always necessary. Okay. You know, because you you know, you have to make instantaneous decisions. Bang, turn around, run with the wave or, gotcha. or, or so what you, they're going you, you to can't do. be you can't be cavitating if you've got a four foot wave breaking beside you. No. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of factors into play. That's why we really want everyone to come through the website and fill out the expert analysis form. Okay. That's the most important thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess we've got a couple of 
props in front of us. Um, so who, yeah, what's this brand of propeller now? Because as I said earlier, a lot of people know yeah. you as Solus, but those days are gone, aren't you? That's, yeah. I still have a lot of Solus, okay. and I also have Turning Point. We are propeller warehouse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we do have a lot of brands, but the new, the new technology with the robotics is all about Genesis. Um, and Genesis incorporates uh, a few innovations like a spiral hub. Not sure if you can see the spiral in there to help the engine uh, breathe better. Okay. Especially on a four-stroke. Yeah. Um, and of course, everything has now gone interchangeable. Interchangeable hub. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously, looking in there. Um, what would people normally see if it didn't have an interchange? Like the hub's not in there at the moment, is no, it? Yeah, it's so, not in there. Yeah, no. so we might it, show. The it hub really loaded. just makes the the fact that this prop we can make it fit a Suzuki, a Yamaha, a Mercury just by putting in the right a kit. Different hub. Yeah, Plus, okay. if you have a problem in a remote area, um, you can actually fix the pro problem yourself okay. if you've got the part. Obviously, okay. a replacement part. So traditionally, um, most propellers. Came with a with a fixed hub. That's a fixed hub. Yeah, yeah, that's rubber a rubber hub. That's so that's there. that's designed specifically for um, one brand or two brands. Well, no, all the OEMs, well, most of the OEMs in uh, horsepower groups, from six horsepower through to um, basically a hundred, are rubber hubbed. Okay. Uh, there are a few exceptions. Okay. Yeah, Yamaha have their Reliance range, which has got a dampening system. Yeah. Um, but pretty much things are moving over to interchangeable hubs. Okay. Um, because so it just gives the ability to use um, the same propeller on multiple out branded outboards. That's right. So dealers don't have to carry so much stock okay. too, which gotcha. is another point. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. Yeah. So, so this is... Um, That's a Genesis. That's a Genesis, uh, yeah. And this is... Very similar to a number of other brands that are on the marketplace. It's well proven. Okay. Um, this is a Torque Master. This is actually a low pitch. This is a 13 pitch, and it's used on horsepower groupings from 70 to 130 horsepower. Okay. So you'd put this on something like maybe a Polycraft okay. with, say, a Suzuki 90 okay. um, to low pitch. Um, so the average pitches, the popular pitches in these groupings from 13 through to 21 are always in the middle. They're always 17s or 19s. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's, most dealers could go to our catalogue, this catalogue, yeah. go to the middle of the actual grouping yeah. and be pretty confident that's a fast-moving type size to okay. put onto a boat. Okay. But most of the dealers ring us anyway and ask for extra advice. So, yeah, okay. Um, so, you've, so you've got dealers all around the country stocking we, their propellers? We have. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, mobile mechanics these days, and um, and uh, Genesis is the stainless brand, and the Pandora is the um, is the high strength aluminium. Yeah, I know it sounds a little bit like Avatar. Those names come from Avatar, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> so when you say high strength aluminium, um, how does that compare to a to a standard aluminium propeller? Uh, generally, generally you'd find you could. You could, the wear factor is is um, is less by by times five. We call them Pandora times five. Okay. So if you're a crabber up yeah. in Gladstone, and you've got a Yamaha F70 or something, you would be 
you would be not throwing away wearing out those propellers because they can wear them out pretty quick. Yeah, okay. Like within three months. Okay. A standard aluminium. A propeller. standard aluminium propeller. Whereas they might get a couple of years out of a out of a high strip. Well, you know, have you seen the skegs on some of their boats? <laughs> you know, the skegs are worn to, worn, worn out worn before the propeller is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned quickly earlier about. Um, stainless isn't always better than aluminium. Can we just go back to that quickly? Why Why would I well, choose Well, no, that's now? only a cost factor. Okay. At least today, there's now three different options. Okay. You know, so... So aluminium, high-strength aluminium, stainless steel. Correct. And, it's, and it pretty much just comes down to cost, doesn't that's it? That's so, correct, yeah. So you can pretty much get the same um, prop dimensions in both styles, can you? Or three styles? Um not all, but not all. I, I tend to you don't tend to sort of see too many four bladers in the 40, 50 horsepower less. Yeah. Um Honda do one, of course. We helped to um develop all them years ago in with Solus with a four blade. Um but four bladers normally have to have good power to weight ratio on a boat to get the benefits of the four blade. Okay. So they have their home, they're not it's not perfect on every boat. Yeah. Um, we normally don't put four bladers on the lower end of the horsepower groupings in what we call D group 70 to 130 because if you've got 70 horsepower on the same gearbox as a 130, exactly the same, yeah. really the four blader will be will be will have a benefit on that larger horsepower, not the lower horsepower. Yeah, yeah. Mm. gotcha. Now um it's no secret um these um, Genesis and Pandora propellers are manufactured in China. Mm. I think there's a bit of misconception in the boating community that anything manufactured in China must be crap. Now, can you tell us? I mean, looking at it, it looks flaming pretty good to me. But mm. what, like, where are other propellers manufactured, and why is a Chinese-made propeller as good as anything else? Um, if well, they are. It's like anything, I think, in China. I mean, your iPhone, your iPads are all, all actually now made in China. These propellers are sold into America and okay. accepted into America. Yeah, okay. So our factory actually manufacture for Turning Point. Okay. Um, our factory is manufacturing for different companies around the world in race propellers, for example, yep. in Sweden and yep. Denmark. Yeah. Um, and it's really about the new technologies that yeah. are emerging. I mean, you could say the same thing about electric cars. Yeah, I yeah. mean, where's all the electric cars? Yeah, where's yeah. all the lithium batteries now, the best of the best? Yeah. No, look, and, and I think really I was just bringing that up for, for, for general information because, yeah, um, yeah I'm obviously aware that, that most stuff is manufactured, mm. some of the best stuff in the world is manufactured. A lot of this technology, though, you've got to understand, has, has been introduced by other com- countries as okay. well. Yeah, gotcha. So the Japanese are still in China. Yeah, okay. Forget what you see on YouTube. There's okay. a lot of misnomers. Okay. Korea was one of the first com- countries, South Korea, to actually develop a lot of this aerospace-type technology. Okay. Um, even the Hyundai that I drive has, crit- has high-strength aluminium components in that car gotcha. in its critical chassis components gotcha you know? gotcha so yeah, okay. it's it's really about the technology yep. that's moving forward and then of course china you know 
can do the manufacturing, like they're mm. the best at it. Mm. So the technologies mm. come from elsewhere, mm. but mm. we all know the Chinese are the best at manufacturing cost effectively. Well, these are 20% cheaper than anything else on the market. Is that right? And okay. um, our volumes are, um, well, we've got a 40-foot container coming in in another week. Okay. <laughs> So I guess that on that point then, um, if people are interested in, in, you know, checking out your propellers, um, they just go to your website, propellerwarehouse.com.au. Sure. That's it. And, and you mentioned, what, and they either contact their local dealer or mm-hmm. you're happy to take, take calls here at Propeller Warehouse. Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. I've got staff who are well experienced to, to uh, take it if I'm not here. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. Okay. Well, mate, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think this might end up being part one of more because um, I know I've got a lot more questions, but um, I think I might wrap it up here for today. Um, Steve, yeah, look, we all know you're the man when it comes to propellers in Australia, if not the world, and um, really appreciate you passing on a little bit of knowledge to myself. And uh, I must and do that. I'm not today. getting any younger, though. Well, that's true, mate. So, um, But none of us are, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, awesome to have yep. you here today. And, no, uh, we'll... Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, Great okay. job. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Right.